0: Energy on a Friday.
1: College football's here. Well, tomorrow, college football's here.
0: I can't hear you. My, are these working?
1: What do you mean? Your headphones don't work? Oh, Come on, are. There
0: you are. Come <laughs> on.
1: College football's here, Ed.
0: I'm very excited. You get to wake up. Excited.
1: 9 a.m. There's a college football game on tomorrow.
0: 9 a.m. I might be headed to Allegiant Stadium for the Rebels. What's that start? 12, 1230? 1230 kickoff. I need to be you there. Don't
1: there even, th- it's UNLV. You don't need to be there that early. <laughs> What do you need to take pictures <laughs> what of the crappy you, field?
0: What are you insinuating? That what? I might be able to get a space? You might be able to. <laughs> it's not like the tonight with the Raiders. I don't, think, I
1: don't think Idaho State's bringing a big crowd for the season ah, it's opener. The opener. I'm not even enough pe- are there enough people in Idaho to fill that stadium? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. It's there are Idaho. enough people. I guess in Boise. Idaho. Are there enough people outside of Boise in Idaho to fill that stadium? Idaho.
0: Oh, Idaho. we are we're doing a thing I like to call live googling. Yes, I know. I'm going to go ahead and read the first bite.
1: The first bite. Is Darren Waller going to play in week 1? Did you find the population of Idaho yet?
0: 1.754 million.
1: Uh there are 750,000 people in Boise. So that means okay. there's only a million people that live in Idaho not in Boise. Okay. So you bring That fills the stadium. 5,000 of those? Oh, you think there's five thousand Idaho State fans <laughs> coming? No chance. No chance. There might be five thousand people from Idaho that come to Vegas. They're not going to the game. <laughs> They're gonna be like, "Oh, there's something better to do. We're not going to watch this." When you're when you're like expected to lose to UNLV by three three touchdowns, you're not bringing fans. No, come on. Just kidding. It's not happening. All right,
0: you're bringing some. You're bringing some family members. Some family members. They're like, "Ooh, Vegas."
1: Yeah, exactly. Do we have to go to your game? We'd rather just stay at the hotel. Uh, All right. Darren Waller. How big of a story is it yesterday that Darren Waller is reportedly, according to Liz Mullen, leaving Clutch Sports, the agency that uh, he signed with last September. He's leaving it.
0: I think it's a huge story because I think it gives us an insight into maybe what's been going on here.
1: Or more importantly, what hasn't been going on. That he hasn't.
0: True that he hasn't. He that Clutch Sports to. hasn't done what he wanted right. them to do at this
1: point. So you have. So here's the entire context for Darren Waller this offseason. Contract wise, he's got two years left on his deal, but none of it is guaranteed. Raiders could cut him today. Not going to happen. But they could cut him today and he would not have any more money owed to him. More importantly for him is the injury concern and not getting paid beyond that, right? So Darren Waller doesn't have any guaranteed money, even if. It was guaranteed. Darren Waller is not a top 15 paid tight end, despite very clearly being one of the top 15 tight ends in the NFL. Last September, he signed with Clutch Sports, an agency, changed agencies last September. This offseason, we have seen Derek Carr get a new deal. Raiders trade for and give Devontae Adams a new deal. Max Crosby got a new deal. Hunter Renfro. Got a new deal. Raiders went out and got Chandler Jones. Five big-name players got new money from the Raiders this offseason. I imagine Darren Waller considers himself to be in the same class as those other five, and he did not get new money this offseason. So then we get to training camp, and where is Darren Waller? Nowhere to be seen on the practice field except for one day that he showed up. But after that one day, he was then gone again. ESPN reported he has a hamstring injury. Josh McDaniel said earlier this week that Darren Waller has is in every meeting and that McDaniels sees himself him back. every day. Working, Working himself he, back. He loves that phrase. Working himself back. But Darren Waller's only been at practice one day. And Darren Waller, I think rightfully so, is probably not very pleased that he is the only player in that sort of top tier of Raiders players that didn't get new money this offseason. We haven't heard anything publicly from Waller about hey. This is a hold-in. Hey, I want a new contract. The only thing he said publicly is, I'm going to play and let my agency handle that. And guess what? The agency that he said he was going to let handle Didn't that... Didn't do
0: a very good job he just fired handling him. it.
1: He just got rid of him. So Darren Waller is, to me, pretty obviously, not happy with what's been going no. on this offseason.
0: Could it be both that he's hurt and also he's holding in?
1: Right. Well, the the main point that I made yesterday is, like, Darren Waller... I believe that he has an injury or or had an injury at least. Yes. And that if they had a game, a regular season game today instead of a preseason game, he'd probably be good enough and would play in it. He'd be healthy enough and would actually play in the game. But because of his contract situation, because he's not happy about it, I'm sure he's looking around saying, well, I'm going to find any excuse I can to not be in practice because a, he doesn't want to risk. If he I was gonna
0: say, would you play in a real game today if you're not hundred percent if you're him? I mean, yes, I don't know a if a real you would. game, probably. I mean, I guess it'd depend for me on how hurt I am.
1: Yeah. A real game, if I'm like, oh, 95% or whatever, probably. But here's here's to me the if we go back in time, I wonder what Darren Waller would think if he had the chance to go back. Because back in the spring, I was saying Darren Waller needs to hold out. Yeah, Darren Waller, I when Darren Waller I came agreed. out and was like, I'm going to play, I'm going to let my agency handle the yes. contract and all that. Darren Waller was being too selfless. He needed to be more selfish in that entire yeah. training camp. But instead, granted, he hasn't been in practice, but he's been around the team and we haven't heard anything publicly. I think if Darren Waller went back in time, he's a not showing up for that one day of practice and B, he is publicly saying I'm holding in. He's publicly saying. I need a new contract, and I'm not playing until I get one, because that's the only leverage he has over the Raiders. The Raiders have all the leverage if Darren Waller is willing to play. If Waller is willing to suit up in Week One, Raiders have all the leverage sure. because he's under contract. They don't they don't have to trade him. They don't have to do anything if he's willing to play in Week One. But if Darren Waller is willing to sit out Week One of the season. Then all of a sudden he has the leverage because what did the Raiders do this year? They went all in. Everybody's excited for Renfro Adams Waller. They don't have an offensive line. So they better have somebody good to throw the ball to within two seconds. And Waller's only leverage is if he's willing to not play and say, Hey, you guys went all in, but I'm not going to be there.
0: Yeah. I think going back to my point, I think it's both. I think he's hurt and he's not going to take the chance. And If he's 95%, I think he's waiting until he's 100%. And even then, now that he fired his agency, I don't know if he'll come back then. I I, I think it's both. I I never doubted he had something. Like, I never doubted he he wasn't hurt in some way. And like we said, ESPN reported the hamstring. Like, I never doubted that. The severity of it, now I'm not so sure. Right. After he fires his agent and he's got to wait five days to what? He's got to wait five days to hire
1: a new agent. Right. So right yeah right he's got five days here without officially having a new agent i would venture to guess darren waller already knows who his new agent is going to be uh but he's got a five-day waiting period for some reason with the nfl you have to have a five-day waiting period and then he can officially hire his new agent and then i'm i'm curious what happens in five days or even before five days right is darren waller going to publicly say anything about wanting a new contract is darren waller's new agency going to publicly maybe say he anything.
0: leaves it up to them right
1: because that's normally kind of what happens right the, the agent, agent either either the agent makes a public statement or the agent tells a national right. reporter hey you know we want this or whatever Darren Waller's not going to do blank until he gets blank type thing so I'm curious to see in five days if we get something from the new agency because publicly we have not heard anything from clutch sports about Darren Waller Right. We haven't heard a single thing about, hey, he wants this, or hey, he should demand this, or he deserves like We haven't heard that about Darren Waller. All we've heard is Darren Waller saying, I'll let my agency handle this. That was like a month ago, two months ago that he said that. And now he's fired that agency that he was letting handle his contract situation.
0: I don't know if I've changed my mind on this now that there's gonna be a new agent, but I thought all along what they would do is just guarantee the seven million for this year.
1: I don't know why you wouldn't. And maybe Darren Waller wants that. more than that. To be Oh, I'm sure he wants right. more than that. And like maybe that's been the Raiders' offer and Waller's like, no, I want new right. money, a new contract, and that's where the holdup is. But yeah, if you're if you if you're the Raiders and you could appease Darren Waller by simply guaranteeing his money for this. That's year? easy. That should have been done. Two and months ago. And that's what
0: makes you believe Clutch or whoever said no. We want more. Yeah. Look at what everyone else is
1: getting. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, you should, if you're sure. Darren Waller or his agent, you should say we want more. But I, I. So my guess right now is that Darren Waller is not happy with his contract situation. That I, I have to imagine the Raiders would be willing to guarantee his money for this year, and if they've made that, I offer think they've already, probably
0: already made that offer. Why wouldn't they do right? that?
1: It would. Ju- it that makes too perfect much sense. sense. It makes right. too much sense to give to him seven honest, million. To be honest, it makes sense to guarantee this year and next year. Yeah, because it's is it eight million the following season? It's it's in line. I mean, it with whatever. it still keeps them at
0: the sixteenth right.
1: tie. So, like, if I'm the Raiders, I have I have no problem guaranteeing Darren Waller's contract this year and Darren Waller's contract next season. Just say, yep, 100% guaranteed. You're good to go. If we assume the Raiders have made some offer like that, then we also have to assume that Darren Darren Waller Waller has said no. Rejected that and wants a new contract or just more money, whatever. However you want to phrase that. And that might be where the holdup is. And that in all seriousness couldn't get it done. Right. Does Darren Waller is he willing to sit out game one of the regular season? Because if he is, I think
0: a lot of it depends on the new agent.
1: Right. If he is he has a little bit of leverage. If Darren Waller's not willing to sit out week one of the season, Darren Waller has no leverage. Right. There's he, He's got nothing. There's nothing he can do. To I guess he could demand a trade, but then you still have to be willing to miss week one of the season. Otherwise, your trade demand is pointless, right? So if he's willing to miss week one of the season, then Waller has some leverage in contract negotiations. If he's not, it's whatever the Raiders want to do, and Darren Waller just basically has to accept it, and maybe he can... Hold in and not show up for practice because he's only at ninety five percent or something with his hamstring. But that I think is where the Raiders and Darren Waller probably sit at the moment.
0: I think he should have been more proactive. Yeah, I think he should have been way more practical. I agreed with you back in the spring. I would have held out. I mean, well, I would have held in. i mean, that no one's holding yeah. out anymore because of the fines. <laughs> he would have no one. No one holds. No one holds out anymore. He would have been
1: fined more than he's going to get paid this year. If he yeah. Had held yeah, I mean you don't
0: you don't hold <laughs> out anymore because of the fines. But other people have held in and gotten their deals.
1: Right. So. I think looking back on it, A, he should have held in, or, and maybe that is what he's been doing, but he should have been more public about it. I think the biggest mistake he made was coming out and saying, well, I'm going to play. It's up to my agency right. to handle my con. I think that's the biggest mistake he made because if you tell somebody, yeah, I'm going to play, presumably week one of the regular season, you're telling them Well, the
0: you're Raiders, also handing them, like you said, you're handing them the leverage. Right. You're saying like, this guy's playing. Yeah. So
1: if if I'm the Raiders and Darren Waller says, yeah, I'm going to play week one of the season, then OK, I'd be like, like, I'm not even guaranteeing your contract. Like if you're going to show up, we're not going to change anything. We're going to take as much advantage of this as we possibly can. So that I think I think Waller needed to be more selfish the entire offseason. Right. Because this this is an offseason. We've talked about it. He's over the age of 30. Right. How many more. Had some injury issues coming off a year where he had significant injuries he's at a point in his career where he's probably only going to have a year, maybe two more off seasons to truly cash in mm-hmm. on a big free agent deal. Because if he plays out the current deal that he has, even if he's pretty good over the next two years, you're looking at, I think it'll be 33 at that point. Yeah. Is anybody giving a 33 year old tight end a bunch of money? Yeah. I mean, somebody will probably give him some, but not a significant amount. So this is this off season. And maybe next offseason might be his two real chances, last two real chances. I mean, the Raiders are certainly
0: telling us what they think of him.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Or they're reading his quotes and saying, well, we're just not going to pay you because you say you're showing up. Right. So, But yeah, I, I think they've made it clear with their offseason moves that that top group of players, he's at the bottom. He's not as important as no, Crosby, not in their Jones, eyes. Carr, Adams, Renfro. Right. And, and to be completely honest, I think that's what I would do if I were the Raiders. Because if you're assigning value to all those players, the 31 year old tight end is not as valuable as Devontae yeah. Adams or Hunter Renfro or, or Max Darren Crosby or, or Derek Carr. Yeah. I mean, I think you could maybe argue with Chandler Jones because Chandler Jones is getting up there in age too. But the all the other ones, they're more valuable than Darren Waller because you can conceivably get many more years out of them than you will Darren Waller. So I don't think the Raiders have done anything wrong, but I think Darren Waller is sort of been too nice in the entire situation all right coming up next we'll jump into the golden knights because hey kelly mccrimmon finally talked about hey, he, spoke. he
2: spoke you know what to be honest i probably won't play that much here you know i got a i got a wife and kid and you know three dogs so it's it becomes less and less you know likely that you do that stuff you know i plan on living you know i think where all the other guys live in Summerlin and you know i, I during the season you don't have that much time for that kind of stuff so you know I don't think I'll be doing that that
0: often there. All of the sun, none of the fun on the press box summer edition.
1: Bill Kessel talked to the media yesterday. So did Kelly McCrimmon. We'll get to some Bill Kessel stuff maybe, uh, because Kelly McCrimmon had some more interesting things to say. First off, Robin Leonard is having two hip surgeries. It's so not are, good. He already had one, and he's going to have a second hip surgery. This offseason, he is going to miss the entirety of uh, this upcoming year. I would think so. um, After double hip surgery, Kelly McCrimmon said yesterday that the Golden Knights did not know that Robin Leonard would need to have hip surgery until he came back to Las Vegas in July, which would explain uh, why they didn't make any sort of moves for goalie. In free agency or the trade market before things settled down, and would explain why they traded away Max Pacioretty. Because if you, re- in all honesty, if you really go back in time, and if the Golden Knights knew in June that Robin Leonard was going to have hip surgery and be done for the year, they probably never trade Max Pacioretty because Leonard going on long-term IR would almost be the same cap relief as trading away Max Pacioretty. So they probably never trade Pacioretty, or if they do. They probably actually get something in return for him. Not you have to give Dylan Coghlan up for future considerations as well. Uh, so that part of it's interesting. I don't. Does anybody deserve blame for that? If it's true that that the Golden Knights didn't know Leonard was going to need hip surgery I mean, until the Leonard end of pay, July, did Leonard communicate with these guys at all? And that's, that's the part that like we don't know exactly, right? He ended the year with injuries and. We knew about the shoulder and we knew about the knee right. during last season. I don't recall knowing about the hip during last season. So we we talked about this before. Did Leonard, the season's over, right? Did Leonard and the Golden Knights know that his hip was messed up at the end of the season and just assume, oh, he'll be fine. He won't need hip surgery. Or was this completely new? I was just can't this-
0: believe he went home. And there wasn't some discussion about, hey, my hip, there's something wrong with my hip. Right. I, I can't believe that. Because if you're having two hip surgeries, this stuff was pretty serious. The,
1: he I, would go home and it hurt both hips to where he needed surgery. Right. I have to imagine his he was in pain at yes. his hip. Or at least significant discount. There was something wrong. With that, his hip. That he would have been like, mm, that's not right. Right. So, yes. That, Did like he talk to them? There's a, there is a, there's missing information right to try to basically figure this out to where is there any blame because this this completely alters or would have altered what their offseason plans were completely would have changed what this team did in the offseason if they knew Leonard was going to be out for the year back in June as opposed to middle to end of July after everything had already calmed down so we got a little bit more detail but not quite enough to know the answers to that The other thing Kelly McCrimmon said yesterday about goalies is that they are going to go into the season with Logan Thompson and Laurent Bressois as their two goalies. Um, I believe they'll
0: go into the season with them.
1: So he basically said like, hey, we're not going to go out and trade for a goalie or sign somebody that's a free agent at the moment. We're going to give these two guys a shot. I'm with you in that I believe they're going to give them a shot. The part that I don't know the answer to. How long is that shot? Right. If right. this team is struggling after one month, are they panicking and making a move? Are they going to give them two months, three months, right? I don't know how long it is that they're going to give Logan Thompson and Laurent Brossois a shot. Obviously, best case scenario is one of them is a very good goalie, and they don't need to go acquire a goalie. But the you know scenario you probably have to be planning for if you're the Golden Knights is, okay, what happens if these two aren't any good? and we need to fix the goalie position. And I just don't know how long they'd be willing to wait.
0: They knew he was hurt, and he needed surgery on different parts of his body. But if he not had told him him until July, they did not find out how bad it was until July, maybe in June. Couldn't they have done a better job of hitting the market?
1: Right. If they knew in June, absolutely. They They could have gone to the market and
0: said, okay, what's out there?
1: Right. There were more free agents. There were more trades available. Absolutely. Now, it's like there's a couple of options, but not many right right not many good ones so you're really looking i i think there it's in their best interest to give thompson and brossois a shot to one of be them the be the guy or both of them what however the hell it works out but i think that's their best uh what they should do going into the season now back in june if they knew then they probably would have been like all right well let's go find another goal right let's go find somebody because they expect to win the Stanley Cup, and Logan Thompson and Laurent Brossois probably aren't the best goalie duo to try to do that. It's just so this
0: season. bizarre that he had this many hip injuries and no one it, knew. And because his hips had to hurt. He, again, he didn't go home and have this happen to him. I'm sorry. He they he knew something, or he knew they hurt. And I just... I will ask Ben Goats at 830, but he didn't say anything to
1: anybody? Right. Like, you, you have to imagine there was some... Hey, this isn't feeling right. Right. I'm going to go home and get it checked. You would think so, but maybe not. I don't know. I mean, he had a shoulder and knee injury too. So maybe his body didn't register the hip was bothering him because of the other two things. I don't know. I I mean, I have no idea, but you, I, I agree with you. You would have to imagine a guy that's having double hip surgery in August would have known oh, there's something wrong with my hip. Right, right. In and I, June. I also find it hard to believe that he would have hurt his hip that badly. Like while both of was, them. Like while he was back home. Right. Right. I, I can't imagine he would have. Because if he had the shoulder and the knee, the likelihood of him working
0: out right. or right. doing anything right. would have been very, very small. So I don't think he's
1: hurting both hips not working out. Right, And I, I don't imagine him Fernando tatis it and being on a motorcycle no. in Sweden and... Maybe he's on a snowmobile in Sweden and like, I i don't know. I just, I don't feel like that's what happened either. If you're Kelly McCrimmon, like let's hypothetically say Robin Leonard got hurt on a snowmobile, whatever. Do you, do you say that out loud to the media or do you protect Robin Leonard a little bit?
0: It's a great question
1: because the fact that he said hip instead of lower body, he's having lower body surgery. Well, yeah, he's, he's at, pretty specific. Here, about it. He's out for the whole year, so they don't have to worry about anybody gaining an advantage. Right. Yeah. He's out for the whole They Shoot can, it at the hip. They'll give all of Leonard's injury yeah. status for the whole season because he can't play until the uh, next season. Slide update uh, Robin stubbed his toe. Yeah. Yes. Oh, they're going to, that's yeah. going to be it. And meanwhile, guys actually. Then they'll play. say, We never, you say, We never tell you about <laughs> injuries. <laughs> we noticed Mark Stone only has nine fingers. <laughs> yeah. He has an upper body injury. <laughs> so uh, that's the uh, fun part there. One other thing from Kelly McCrimmon yesterday, he said that Nick Hague is priority number one for the rest of the offseason. Nick Hague is a restricted free agent. Last year, he made $863,000. He does not have arbitration rights. So this is not a, uh, hey, you can go to a a third party arbiter that would decide what the salary would be. His salary offer, qualifying offer from the Golden Knights this year only has to be $874,000. The Golden Knights can obviously offer him more than that, offer him a, whatever contract they want, but $874,000 is all they have to offer him, and Nick Haig has no uh, action to get a bigger salary than that. Except hold out. Unless he decides to hold out. Shea Theodore did this in training camp back in 2018. Shea Theodore ended up signing a deal worth $5.2 million through 2025. He got a big deal. Haig is not getting $5.2 million no, a year, no. but I doubt he's asking for that. He's probably asking for 2 or $3 million would be my guess, and the Golden Knights are probably looking at it saying, "Well, we can hopefully get you to play for eight hundred and seventy-four thousand dollars." So this will be interesting because they don't have a new deal with Hague. The GM saying it's the number one priority. I wonder if Hague, just like Darren Waller, is Hague willing to miss time? Is he willing to sit out training camp? Is he willing to miss games? Because if he is, he has some leverage, like Darren well, Waller. How
0: was the air presented by Clutch Sports? <laughs>
1: They've got an opening for a new client, I guess. <laughs> exactly. But they didn't Nick do very Hague well with Nick Hague has fired Waller. his agent uh, five days from now. It's clutch <laughs> sports. They didn't do very well with Darren Waller, so maybe they don't want him. So, curious to see what happens with Haig. The one problem for Haig, though, the Golden Knights are actually deep defensively. It's the one position that they actually have a lot of good players at. He might, he might not have any leverage. Right. So, the Golden Knights might look at it and say, oh, we got at least five other good defensemen. We right. can plug in an AHL-level guy for a while and be perfectly fine. So... That's an interesting spot for Nick Hague to be in. All right, coming up next, the general manager of the Las Vegas Aces, Natalie Williams, joins the show. A no-look pass to Asia at the top. Asia kicks into the corner. It's Plum for three. You know that's true. It's all going right tonight.
0: You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition.
1: The Las Vegas Aces host game one of the semi-finals on Sunday against the Seattle Storm. And joining us now, the general manager of the Aces, Natalie Williams. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning. So if we go back to before the season starts, obviously a big change for this organization moving on from Bill Lambier, bringing in Becky Hammond. In hindsight, and obviously the biggest goals are still to be accomplished. But in hindsight, if we look sort of offensively at this team Did they accomplish maybe even more than you expected under Becky Hammond?
2: Well, I mean, you know, I always believed that we could be at the top of the league, and um, Becky's pace and space offense, I mean, it's just really shown that what the girls can do. I mean, they're great shooters, and the fact that, you know, the last game we had 23 three-pointers made, I mean, that's something, just watching them in practice, that they could do almost every night. (laughs) They're, they're great shooters, and they and she's really spread them out along that three-point line. So, um, you know, I think we've met our expectations thus far.
0: Natalie, we uh, give hot takes on this show. I'm going to give a hot take. If you make 23 threes on Sunday, you have a chance to win.
2: <laughs> I'm going to say yes, I think we would probably win. we got to play defense, so don't forget about that.
0: Yeah, um, well, you took three of four, I think, from Seattle in, in the regular season. Uh, playoffs are a different uh, animal as well. Um, when you look back on those games, what stood out to you? Uh, that you was it defensively that you were able to uh, stop them when you had to? What stood out to you about those games? Were you able to take three or four from them?
2: Yeah, I mean, it definitely starts with defense. It starts with rebounding. Seattle's such a great team that you cannot let them, you know, constantly get offensive rebounds. So we've got to keep them off the board. Yeah. Um, you know I'm a true believer, as is Becky Hammond, that you know, offense is great, and we love that we're, you know, one of the top, or if not the top in in the league and on offense. But in order to win championships, you got to play defense and rebound.
1: What is the expectation for this series and Dierica Hamby's availability?
2: Um, well, the expectations. I mean, our number one goal is to win the whole thing. So we've got to take one game at a time. I mean, Seattle is coming off some great games um they're a high energy team they're veterans and i know that everyone is promoting the fact that i think there's seven number one draft picks uh in this series so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch um so we can't take them lightly we will not take them lightly and it really comes down to just being focused and dialed in on every single possession um, in regards to D'Erica, she's progressing really well. We we know that she uh, will not be back for um, any part of this series.
0: Did you see kind of the maturation and the um, season that Kelsey Plum had? Did you see that coming?
2: Oh, man. I have to tell you, I mean, Kelsey Plum, she's an amazing young lady. Um, I have watched her all through college. She, I have to admit she was probably as many others, my, my favorite player in college. Um, and I'm not the only person out there. I'm sure <laughs> that has said that, but I'm so proud of her. She's an incredible young lady. And uh, I mean, every athlete goes through things that they have to endure. Um, you know, I have done it myself. So for her to just get through everything she went through at Washington and then also the Achilles injury, um, you know all kinds of things. I just wish her the best. She, as well as the rest of our team, deserves a championship.
1: Okay, here's an important question because Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum are uh, surely both going to be All WNBA, and both have a case to say, "Hey, I should be the MVP of the WNBA." As an organization, though, you guys have obviously made the push for Asia Wilson. Kelsey Plum has even come out and say, "said Asia Wilson should be the MVP." How does that decision get made in an organization when you have two legitimate candidates and I I guess maybe Kelsey Plum was on board with it, but to make the push for Asia or one player over the other when you clearly have two players that could deserve it?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're just grateful to have that opportunity to have two players that are up for, you know, MVP in the whole league. So, um, you know, what kind of sets Asia apart is her defense. I mean, she has been one of the most, if not the most, defensive dominant player in the league this year. Um, And also in regards of increasing her offensive output and stretching her game to the three-point line. Um, But, hey, we're happy that we have to make that call of getting the luxury of having two possible MVPs. Pretty awesome.
0: Uh, Becky has talked after certain games about moving the ball and not, you know, being more unselfish. But for the most part, they are. You have a lot of stars on that team. Uh, is it is it as unselfish as you could think of most nights? I mean, uh, there's a, there's only one ball to go around. you got a bunch of people who can score.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think they've all bought in to what Becky's trying to do. And, you know, if you see two, make the pass, find the open player. Um, and when we play like that, the aces are really hard to guard. So I think they've all bought into that. Uh, and we're just going to try to keep it going. But, you know, I mean, Chelsea Gray, as the caller, the head of the snake, I mean, she is such an incredible leader. And she knows when it's time to just kind of take over in the last seconds of the shot clock uh, to get that amazing fadeaway jumper up. You guys, pretty got, awesome at that. <laughs> you,
1: you guys got the one seed this year, obviously a very good team. But how... Important was was it for you, and maybe how difficult was it to get the majority of this core locked up for multiple years? You got Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, all locked in for two more after this. How important was that, and how difficult has that process been?
2: Um, gosh, I mean, it, I'm just you know really happy that I was able to do that, and um, but have to give a lot of credit to them. They wanted to you know all play together, and so just working out deals that. You know, all of them gave up a little bit to, to stick together. So, you know, really happy that they were able to do that. But, yeah, in my first year as a GM, I'm I'm proud that I was able to get all those stars to continue to and want to come back for two more years.
0: Uh, talk about the atmosphere you've had in the playoffs. Um, a lot of uh, celebrities out there, your fans uh, came out in droves. Uh, what was it like to see that kind of atmosphere? <laughs>
2: And the energy is just amazing in the building. I mean, really, it's electric. Um, You know, to have 10,000 fans in there, I think the way we have the arena constructed, it only holds a little over 10. So we expect that again on Sunday. Um, And it's fun. I mean, the players deserve it. They they feed off that energy, and I'm really excited. I mean, um, thank you to Vegas for coming out and supporting these women because they are pretty amazing.
1: You guys did not have to deal with it, uh, but I'm curious your thoughts on the new first round playoff format where the higher seed potentially would have to go on the road for a deciding game three.
2: Yeah. I mean, you look at it, it's pretty scary. You you really (laughs) have to prove that you are the top seed and win both at home because, you know, doing what Chicago had to do, um, you know, and what Connecticut had to do and go on the road. That's hard. That's hard to do. Um, But we were just very happy we took care of business.
1: Well, she is Natalie Williams, the Aces general manager. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Natalie. Best of luck. Yep. Thank you. So, Natalie Williams as the Aces uh, get started in the semifinals on Sunday. They basically had like a week off since they last played a playoff
0: game. I don't know who – well, Washington swept them the regular season, so they were probably kind of secretly voting (laughs) for Seattle, but I think they would have also liked to see that go three games. Why would, not? It would have helped, especially
1: yeah. because that would have meant Seattle would have had to fly did, to Washington. Fly to Washington DC. And, then and they would not have flown Vegas. charter.
0: <laughs> we know that.
1: <laughs> we do know that. Not allowed. Uh so also I think you're probably happy to see Seattle because they're gonna have to go on the road for this series no matter what. You'd rather fly to Seattle than across the country to Washington, yeah. DC. So I think you prefer that. And I think we have more direct flights to Seattle than we do DC. So it's do you worry about to- this series at all for them? At all? Sure. Seattle's good enough to beat them, but I I think the Aces are handling this. I, I think they're winning this series in three or four. Like They're not going to need five to beat the Seattle Storm this year. The one concern, and she told us De'Arica Hamby's not going to be back for this series, so the the main concern is, like, does Brianna Stewart go off? Right. Because Hamby conceivably would have provided a lot of defensive minutes against Brianna Stewart, and if you go back a couple years Brianna Stewart's a big reason why the Aces lost the WNBA title in the bubble. So there's a chance Brianna Stewart's just incredible, wins a couple of games by herself because they can't guard her, and the Storm win the series. But I don't think that's going to happen enough times for the Aces. Like, that'll probably happen once, but I don't think that happens two to three times. And otherwise, the Aces should be better.
0: Should be I don't better think overall. they're making 23 threes
1: in a game. If they do, they're winning the title. They do that yes. just if they do that once a series for the rest of the way, they're yes. winning the title because that's, that's a free win in the series. So they do that once a game for the rest of the way They're winning the title. But I'd be I'd be surprised if they hit 20 or even like 18. So they hit 15 in a the game. They're probably winning.
0: She made a good point on Asia Wilson's defense. I guess that's why you pushed pushed her for MVP. Yeah. And maybe you don't I mean, want people splitting votes. She
1: is the better player, right? Or the more deserving right. MVP. If we're talking about value to a team, she is the more valuable player than Kelsey Plum. But it is if Kelsey Plum was on any other team. It's Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart, Kelsey Plum. It's those three that are the top three MVP, and hell, it still technically is. But Kelsey Plum's not gonna. They're they're not making any push for. Even Kelsey Plum has come out and said Asia Wilson. Asia Wilson deserves it. So if I was Plum, I'd be like, wait a minute, give me some votes.
0: Brianna Stewart won the AP Player of the Year.
1: She did, which maybe is a sign.
0: No, I think Asia Wilson wins the, the, the league MVP. Okay. We'll see. Did these they, awards, are votes, these awards start coming out soon.
1: Well, are, I was gonna say our vote. I don't know how it works in WWE. They votes said that they're,
0: they announced them throughout the playoffs. is okay. What I read. So
1: votes should be in at the end they of the regular be. season. Basically, there won't well, be any votes determined by this playoff series. No, nor right. should there be. So, like if Brianna Stewart goes off for thirty-four a game and the Storm win, then she would win the MVP if they right. all voted after that. But if they're already in, then it won't matter. All right, coming up next. More fun stories about John Gruden's emails.
2: AFC West, I think, is really going to be led by the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, Justin Herbert's the best quarterback I've ever seen, and I played with Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger. This guy is unbelievable. I played with Peyton Manning okay. and Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm telling you, he's the be- Justin Herbert's the better quarterback, best quarterback I've ever seen. It's unbelievable what he does. It is something that's only going to continue to increase, and he's got the most talented arm in the NFL.
0: Back to the press box summer edition. Who is that? Ryan Harris.
1: He's gotta be lying, right?
0: Best quarterback he's ever seen.
1: That can't be right. I, I think Herbert's good, but Yeah.
0: I mean he might have the best arm now.
1: Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> I mean, say I mean, uh, mean, do you, I mean, you I...
0: remember Peyton Manning at the end? Yeah.
1: I mean Did Ryan Harris play with Peyton Manning when he was bad in his last year. Maybe that's when he played with him.
0: Josh Allen. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's been bad for. I have no
1: complaints with him saying Justin Herbert right now is better than prime Ben Roethlisberger because prime Ben Roethlisberger wasn't. No, he was. mad. He was a winner. He willed his team to victory. He would throw up. He would throw balls just in general directions, and then really good wide receivers would float through the air and grab them. Best he's ever seen. All right. Uh, I mean.
0: Listen, he, I think Herbert's good. Who's he including good.
1: in that sentence? Well, he's like, I played with Peyton Manning. so Okay,
0: so these are guys
1: he's played with. Well, he's not he including said he's them, ever like Aaron Rodgers and Tom probably, Brady. I assume he's seen them. He played in the NFL at the same time as Rodgers and Brady, so I assume he's seen them. Wow, it's high praise. It is high praise. I Listen, I like Justin Herbert. I think the Chargers have a legitimate chance to win the AFC West this year. I'd have a hard time saying Justin That's Herbert's the, the best, best quarterback you've ever seen. I just don't think that's true. He's not the best quarterback I've seen in the division. That's true. Like, it's that's true. Not let alone that you've ever seen. All right, on John Gruden because the NFL and John Gruden are likely going to end up going to court over John Gruden getting fired by the Raiders after some of his emails had leaked. Said some homophobic things, some racist things, uh, a lot of derogatory emails from John Gruden. There's a new claim from the NFL here. So first off, we had John Gruden's lawyers saying that all the emails that he sent, all the derogatory emails he sent were before he was employed in the NFL, or I should say not before, before he but, came back, but in between mm-hmm. with, yeah, his first stint back. and his second stint. So he, their claim, the NFL, or excuse me, John Gruden's lawyers are claiming, hey, All of these emails he got in trouble for, they happened when he was uh, an employee of ESPN. He wasn't an employee in the NFL. The NFL's lawyers recently said, Gruden's claim on the timing of his emails is, in reality, very much disputed by the NFL parties and, in fact, false. Discovery, necessary to make any finding a fact on this issue, will show that Gruden continued to send the same kinds of derogatory emails consistently following his start date with the Raiders. So the NFL is claiming that John Gruden sent all these derogatory emails uh, that he was doing it before. After he came back. Got hired by the Raiders and continued to send the same types of derogatory emails.
0: (laughs) More and more Johnny Gruden. What were you doing? putting it on paper thats what it's the number one rule
1: so Come on. according to this story uh mike florio wrote a story about this according to this story and according to john gruden's lawyers that detail won't matter when they actually go to court because the nfl's lawyers didn't bring it up in the hearing i don't know exactly how that works but I because they haven't like brought it up in the ass, hearing because i have no idea how that works apparently it won't be an important detail when they actually go to court but in the court of public opinion I don't, I don't, I still, I have not quite understood exactly how John Gruden wins anything in this lawsuit and even less so now because his entire claim is that, well, this goes completely against what he's saying. Well, yeah, he's saying, oh, I did that years ago yeah. or whatever, but like his entire claim here is that he was unfairly fired because the NFL targeted him yes. by leaking, by leaking his all emails. the emails. He has never denied saying anything in the emails. I just I've never understood how exactly he has any sort of claim for hey, you should have to pay me money. You you got me fired by leaking things that right. I said. I've never understood how that is a legitimate claim.
0: Yeah, I mean, if his claim was I never wrote them or I didn't do right. this, then the NFL you can fabricated go them, then absolutely.
1: Yeah. But he's never denied it. And then this detail, I don't even know that it matters so much in my mind, because whether he said it in, you know, 2015 when he was on ESPN or whether he said it in 2019 when he was coaching the he Raiders. He still said it, allegedly. Right. I mean, he called the commissioner a homophobic slur. Yeah. Like, nobody's calling their future boss or current boss a homophobic slur It being public and surviving. Like that's, or that's getting, not yeah, and getting away with it. It shouldn't happen I, if you do it privately, which is what John, John, is Groon, John Groon's alleging that if he had called... Roger Goodell a homophobic slur privately that he would still have a job right. at the NFL, which is one of the most ridiculous things I've heard. Like I'm imagining emailing my boss right now, calling him a homophobic slur and being on the air after five minutes. You know what's happening?
0: Be. If that's going to you got to X out Bischoff's briefs today. Uh, I was going to say, it would be you're Jared's gonna have dumb to, questions.
1: I was about to say, you're going to have to change your briefs. Cause Cause I, I know dumb, our boss. He's coming for question. you. Like I just, I, and I can't imagine if 10 years ago, I called my future boss a homophobic That slur. you'd even get hired. Well, yeah. And, and if they didn't know about it, and then they hired me, and after a few years, they found out about it, I wouldn't be here. Right. Like, I just, I, I can't imagine that. So, I've never quite understood and- John Gruden's claim. I don't quite understand how this ends up. <sighs> going to court but it did i mean it is the judge didn't dismiss it like the nfl wanted to
0: i have no idea why the nfl didn't bring this up in discovery to begin with right i i don't know if they knew i'm sure they knew i'm sure they've had again it's it seems like it's timing with the nfl when they leaked them um when they now come back with this this fact that he has done doing it before but i agree with you i don't i if, if you're on a jury you're asking the question that you've been asking. It doesn't matter really when you did what? it. You did it, and you're not if you're unless you're going to go under oath and try to convince us you didn't do any of this when they have the emails. Then I don't know
1: what you you. I don't know what you expect. The other sort of uh, lawyer part of this that I thought was interesting is the NFL's lawyer saying that discovery is necessary to sort of prove the fact that Gruden sent them while he was employed by the Raiders implies that the NFL is perfectly fine with the whole discovery process, which the entire time we've heard that the NFL might be afraid of the discovery process because it might be more emails get published and we see more people implicated with bad emails. But this quote kind of implies that they're they're okay fine with, it. with discovery. That they know it's out there. Right. Because they're like, well, if we go to discovery, we're going to prove gonna that see, you, yeah. you sent yeah. these emails yeah. the day before we leaked them or something like that, which... Right, so I, that's an interesting part where uh, the NFL maybe is okay with things going to discovery because they think it's going to show John Gruden is even worse than we thought before. They're going to get, they're going to, they're going to get Roger Goodell's emails and be like, "Man, this guy is. These are a lot about milk. <laughs> Jeez, he's so boring." That's. What? I mean, literally, like when I think of Roger Goodell, I think of a plain white piece of toast. Well, uh, do you guys remember the number of emails? That are supposedly out there. No. Was it three hundred thousand or something? I like thought it was six hundred. Whatever, hundreds of thousands. If this actually goes into like some sort of form of discovery, I feel bad for whatever poor intern at these oh. law firms is going to have to go through these emails. Oh, what a nightmare job! Six hundred
0: thousand emails.